Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round, John Elway. Jim welcome Kelly. in, everybody, to Trickle Down with Theories the with round, your host, Dan Eric Trickle. NFL draft. And with the first round, pick. Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. To the young players with the draft all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Marcus he was running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trickle Down Theories Podcast. I am your host, Eric Trickle. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL and draft. We have a small focus on Denver Broncos, as I am an analyst with MyLiHuddle.com, and we will talk about all things from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, anything and everything you can think of. Joining me today is Catholic University of America running backs coach Luke Polglaze. Luke is also a former colleague of mine with milehighhuddle.com, and he's a really good friend of mine. Luke, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing, and how's the coaching stuff going? It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, The coaching stuff, I would say, is going very well. Um, We just wrapped up spring camp a couple couple weeks ago here in D.C., Um, so yeah, excited excited to get back to it this fall. That's awesome. Well, Luke is joining me to talk about the two running backs the Broncos drafted. He's going to give us a coach's perspective onto the players, their pros, their cons, and what they bring to the table for the Broncos, as well as reasonable expectations. As all you listeners know by now, the Broncos drafted Royce Freeman out of Oregon in the third round. I was a little bit hesitant as for, at first, but I did a show with Luke and my colleague Nick Kendall during the second and third rounds of the NFL draft. And Luke pulled up a tape of his that I hadn't seen before. And afterwards I went back and watched a little bit more of him. And while I do think there was still better options or better running backs there, I'm not as down on him as I was. He, I mean, and he was a leader. He stayed relatively healthy. He did have a couple injuries there, but nothing that really caused him to miss time. And he only fumbled nine times in his career, which was, which translates to like once every 114 touches or something, something like that. Anyways, he holds on to the ball, and that is something that Denver needs. He also has a lot of tread on those tires. He has over one hundred. He has over a thousand college touches, and has rushed for over seven miles between his high school and college career. Is that a concern for you, Luke? I mean, with the way he runs, I'm shocked he hasn't dragged a single guy for seven miles at one point. Like, he is a very downhill runner. <laughs> um, you know, I I think I think. An amount of carries is something that's I think fairly overblown um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there who go to go to a high school they love a guy um, and then they're part of a rotation in college um, and I think it doesn't really matter to me how many touches a guy gets or how many carries he sees a guy is if he gets banged up he gets banged up if he's injury prone he's injury prone um, I don't really think of carries that anybody gets um, dictates who they are as a player and as an athlete. Yeah, I was curious about that because a lot of people are contributing Monte Ball's failure in the NFL to the fact that he had so many carries in college and that his body was just so worn down by the time he got to the NFL, he wasn't able to take the punishment that the NFL was able to hand out to him. So with that said, what are some things that stood out to you when watching over his tape in a, both a positive and a negative way? Um, You know, I think one thing he does really well is this is, you know, he's a running back who really trusts his coaching points. Um, you can see he knows his keys. He knows his aiming points. He knows his reads. Um, and he I think he does a really good job of in the framework of the play there's a lot of guys who kind of once things kind of break down they'll just try to athlete their way out of it and just try and play some football 
but a good job of actually trusting his keys. If things get a little bit muddy, he sticks with it just that extra second for things sometimes to clear up. Um, you know, he's a very, I would say, intelligent running back in that sense. And I think that that's something that you can really work with. That you know, that coachability is going to be great for him at the next level. That said, I think part of part of the reason he may have struggled the last couple of years at Oregon was he was just getting some bad reads from his alignment. Um, you know, just fuzzy reads, and that that makes it difficult to run the ball. You know, that that is difficult for you to perceive what you're trying to trying to hit. And I think to that extent, sometimes he um, tried to do too much when he really didn't need to. A lot of times he'll just kind of want them to hit that downhill, right? If they're running an inside zone, that they kind of just bury their head and keep getting. And uh, I think sometimes he just would bury his head and then just try and peek out and get around the outside. And that I just, you know, at a certain point, that's got to stop. Just put your head, get a couple extra yards, see kind of what you what you can get there. Yeah, that stuff, that's all very understandable. And with that, what do you think he actually brings to the Broncos offense? Because they seem to be going towards a running back by committee kind of thing. They have Devontae Booker and D'Angelo Henderson. They also drafted another running back who we'll talk about here in a bit. And they signed Philip Lindsay. Into this grand scheme of things, how do you think he fits among that group of running backs? And what does he bring to that to the offense? Yeah, he has really good vision and he has really good feel, which are things that you'd love seeing in a running back because um, you can you can coach those to a certain extent, but a lot of a lot of the way you feel your way through a play um, is just complete instinct. That's not something that's super coachable. Um, and I think he he does a good job of setting blocks up. Um, you know, one thing I talked about on that show with you draft night is his work with his head, like we talk about the running back as a physical unit, right? You know, as he, he drives his legs, you know, lowers his pads. But I think what's underrated is the way that players use their heads. If you, if you head bob towards a hole, right? If you're kind of leaning that way and then you stick your foot in the ground and cross your path back, you know, if the backer is reading you, he's reading your eyes and he's reading your head. And if you nod him that one way and then cut back against it, you've made the linebacker wrong. And that's, you know, that's something that you get in the box running inside zone against, you know, linebackers. That's something you get in the open field against safeties. So stuff like that translates that that's, that just translates at any level that you're at. Do you think that he will be able to be the, or beat out Devontae Booker for the starting running back job this year? I haven't really watched a whole lot of Booker this year. Um, I, I, you know, I having not watched a lot of Booker, I'm not a hundred percent sure. However, the last season that I really watched the Broncos, um, which would have been last year, I was, I would say, underwhelmed by what I saw from him. Yeah, you weren't missing much last year. He ended up getting hurt. They had a lot of expectations for him, and then he was limited, and he still is. He's above that 3.3 yards per carry that NFL teams want, but he still wasn't up there as to where you really want for him to be. So thought I'd get that in there. And with that, what are some reasonable expectations that you actually have for Royce Freeman going into this year? You know, I think one thing he's really got to work on is his pass blocking. And that's something that we see with a lot of running backs in college. Um, You know, he he has the good subjects 
doesn't you know he knows his coaching keys he know where where the rusher is coming from he has the ability to read the defense within the framework of the pass blocking scheme um but he just you know sometimes he throws a shoulder and he kind of leans into blocks and that's the one thing you don't want to do you want to you want to square up you want to keep a good base and kind of mirror the pass rush as he comes in um because otherwise you're just going to get clocked by the linebacker by the safety whoever's blitzing um as he comes through and that's one thing he, he really if he can improve that i think he stands a lot better chance of making a big impact on the field as a as a pure rusher though taking out the pass blocking taking out the receiving do you think that he could be a back that sees let's see here about 500 to 750 yards as a rookie I mean that that sounds like a lot, but again, he's shown that he can he can handle big workloads in the past. So I think that's perfectly reasonable for him to get. Um, I think it's just going to matter if he actually gets that opportunity to do so. Uh, um, but I, something like that passed him, yeah. Right, and didn't really talk about it, but what were you able to get about his ability as a receiver out of the backfield? Do you think he can have an impact there as well at the NFL level, or is it just kind of limited to a rushing kind of standpoint? Yeah, he's not a guy who is super elusive in the open field, which, you know, isn't necessarily something that you look for. It's not something that's either pro or against you lining your running back up at receiver. Um, One thing I just have noticed in the way he moves in the open field is his moves, his elusiveness are good, but he just he does it too soon. And it's one of those deals where that sometimes translates into the routes he runs of just trying to stem a little bit too early um, and trying to make his move just a, a hair too early, um, which then kind of messes up the rest of his process or the rest of his run or the rest of his route. All right. That's awesome. And well, before we actually get to the other running back and the couple questions that I have, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter without your listeners so please go take the time go to itunes or spreaker rate subscribe and let your voices be heard on how well you enjoy the show this would be much appreciated as you guys are the ones who enable something enable us to do something that we all love to do so again please just help spread the word around well as every bronco fan knows by now the broncos didn't just take royce freeman they also took a running back out of arkansas named david williams well he has a similar build to Royce Freeman from what I was able to pick up from watching the both them play their running styles were a little bit different and Williams he saw was seeing limited time at South Carolina for those of you don't know who don't know and he ended up transferring to Arkansas last year and he had a pretty good year he had 127 touches for 827 yards and 10 touchdowns but he also did put the ball on the ground twice which with my rough math is about at once every 63 and a half touches so that's something that's not super bad that's i mean you want them above 60 but it's just barely above that point that you want for a running back and i do have a film piece up for you listeners uh, for mileheddle.com and if you guys haven't yet go take a read at that take a glance at it i break down a few plays of williams and just give my overall thoughts on him so luke what did you think of david williams yeah, I thought I looked through his statistics and I'm not a big statistics guy. I thought it was very interesting to see that he has exactly 100 yard rushing game in his career freshman year against Samford. 
you know, I'm not saying that that does and that doesn't make a running back, but especially in a running offense that is can be as just downhill as Arkansas that'll hand the ball off God knows how many times to the running back. I think that's interesting. Um, you know, he's he's a very dependable back in the sense that if you need two yards, he'll get you four. Uh, if you need four yards, he'll get you four. And if you need ten, you're like he take away speed really to be kind of a, a home run threat back. Um, he's the kind of guy who runs through, through defenders, not around the one thing he really needs to work on is I was super underwhelmed by his ball security um, in traffic. He needs to protect the football a lot more than he has, uh, but he has one thing I really appreciated with him was he just, he has such a good kind of stop and start. He start his motor so quickly from standing still um, and kind of get back up to speed. Yeah, one thing I liked about him when I was watching him is that he seemed to have pretty good vision. There was I can't remember who it was against, but there was one play I remember that he saw an opening, and he also it looks like anyways I can't ever judge without actually talking to him or anything like that. That he sees the defender coming down. And he makes the adjustment needed, and he ends up picking up a few extra yards, whereas if he didn't make that adjustment from seeing the defender coming, he would have been tackled for a loss. So that is one thing that stood out to me. Did What did you think of his vision? Yeah, I thought his vision was good. Um, I think one thing that is going to be a difficult transition at points um, for a guy like Freeman's is the fact that he's just going to be used to taking snaps from under center. Um, and I think that's – it's not necessarily a detriment, but it is something that he has to, um, obviously I don't know what his high school offense was like. I'm not trying to make assumptions and say, Oh, he's never done it before. You know, it's going to take him a a quick moment to just kind of reset his aiming points um, to reset the way he, he runs the ball. Whereas somebody like, like experience um, for several years running the ball under center and in shotgun. I think that's his vision is good um, for for what he is. Um, I thought a couple moments he missed, you know, scraping linebackers and kind of ran himself into trouble. Um, I liked his vision a lot more when he was under center than in shotgun. I can understand that. And we mentioned it ever so briefly. Well, you did anyways about Royce Freeman and pass blocking. I got to admit, I actually came away pretty impressed with David Williams as a pass blocker. Granted, I'm no running backs coach like you, so I'm going to pass this off to you but i do want to highlight one play and it is in my mile high huddle mile high huddle article about him as well where i can't i can't i can't remember who it was he was playing but they have an unbalanced line the defense does and they end up doing a stunt rush off the right side and the right tackle sticks with the guy who's going on the outside and a guy is free up coming on the inside and Williams is outside the right tackle, but he comes back and goes and makes the block on the guy who's coming inside. And he's able to give the quarterback a little bit extra time. So what are your thoughts, Luke, on him as a pass blocker? Was this that one play where they had the end kind of stunt wide and they brought the, yes. they had the, the end to the end to the C and the nickel to the B? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I think that was Mississippi State. Um, I think so. Yeah, they, yeah, that one was really weird. I, I, I could, I was watched it a couple times. It was, it was a situation where he had eyes on the linebacker, and then his path went really wide to the nickel, and I think he almost ran himself into trouble, but he was able to mirror himself back out of it to kind of recover. Um, you know, I think the one thing that he needs to work on in pass blocking, he does a good job, but he leans forward and initiates contact. It's one of those things where 
when you're when you're gonna pass block, you know, when you're ready to pass block against a guy, you need to space and then you need to deliver the punch, right? You're waiting for them to come into the strike zone almost, so that you're not leaning out to initiate contact. Because as soon as you lean, you've given up you've given up balance. You've given up your weight. You've shifted. And so I think that's one thing he needs to work on is just kind of dropping his weight, anchoring, and then boom, punching. Uh, I can understand that. Definitely. You don't want to, you never want to lean as a pass blocker. It doesn't matter what position you are. As you said, as soon as you start to lean, you give up balance and it's just really easy to, for defenders to take advantage of that. So in your mind, what does David Williams bring to the offense of the Broncos that again, fits in with these other guys that the Broncos have like Royce Freeman, Booker, Henderson, and Lindsay, who we'll still talk about here in just a few minutes. Well, it feels like they have a very specific tight back position because Booker, Freeman, and Williams are not all that dissimilar. They're very similar players, in my opinion, in just like size and the way that they, the way that they see a defense. Uh, I think, I think Williams. I don't know if he's necessarily at his ceiling, but I think he's near his ceiling. Um, I don't know that he has the ability to really be a special running back. Um, per se, I think he's he's well coached. He knows his coaching points, and he's going to be a very dependable guy. Um, but as I said, I think he's the type who, if you need, he's going to get you four, but he's not going to get a whole lot more than that. Yeah, I can understand that. I definitely think that. I definitely agree to an extent. I should say, because with Williams, it seems like that he may never be the guy, the guy, or the guy behind the guy. But it seems like he could be that number three guy who's you can sit there and throw in there and depend on when you really need to have him out there. So what are – well, actually, before I actually get to reasonable expectations, I'm going to jump down to and ask one of the questions that we got. And it was from Dion Hicks on Twitter. and says, do you think Williams has a chance to make the team? I mean, it's going to come down to roster math. I don't see I don't see any reasons that he doesn't make the team. Um, I think the one thing that's going to count against him is that – you know, he is one of the similar body types and the similar play styles to two of the other guys. Um, and, you know, depending on how many running backs they carry, I think it's evident that the that the Denver coaching staff doesn't value guys who are jacks of all trades. They want guys who are very good at one specific thing and that one specific thing only. And they're going to take role players, if you will, um, and plug them in where they need them. And, you know, quite frankly, this is something that people like the Patriots have started doing is just having such specialized, it's not, you know, not, not short yardage backs, but third down backs, um, you know, just having guys who play a specific role, role, making sure that they are comfortable in that role. And that's something Denver is kind of doing here with the way they're building this roster right now. And the fact that they ha- already have two other guys kind of at that position with talent. Um, I don't, I don't want to say he doesn't make the roster. I think he has the talent too, but I think that the, the situation is stacked against him. All right. Well, as you said, definitely roster math. I think he ends up making it. And I think that Denver, simply because of Philip Lindsay, and we'll get to this here, and as I said, in just a few minutes, I think with what they plan on doing with Philip Lindsay kind of opens up a spot or opens up a way for them to keep five running backs. And I think you'd be looking at Freeman, Booker, Henderson, and Williams with Lindsay there. And obviously you're going to be taking away from somebody somewhere else. And I think that other spot would end up coming from receivers. So you're looking at five running backs, five receivers. And I also think that Andy Janovich would be out of a job as well. If if we're looking at the full picture of it, but obviously it's still may, there's still a lot that can happen. Well, Luke, you are a Colorado Buffalo alum. So what are your quick thoughts about Philip Lindsay? Go buffs. First of all, 
Uh, I guess I'm contractually obligated to say that at this point. Um, Lindsay, boy, Philip Lindsay, we talk about high character guys, right? You and I, we've talked about captains or leaders. I think Philip Lindsay embodies all of that. He's a guy with a great work ethic, with great character. Um, you know, he played, he ran for over 100 yards in a, a quarter in high school, having just torn his ACL, right, in that game. He's a guy who does not stop. He's going to keep training. He's going to keep going. Um, the, you know, his nickname is the Tasmanian should be the Honey Badger because Honey Badger doesn't Honey Badger is going to keep coming. Um, Lindsay, he's a smaller guy. He's a quicker guy. If there's a way around you, he's going to find it. He's He doesn't really kind of take contact on uh, running the ball so much as in pass blocking. I think he honestly is the best passer I watched out of the three. Um, he th- There is a fine art to cut blocking in, in football, and he has mastered it, uh, be it you know pass blocking or being for a receiver. Um there's a there's a specific art to cut blocking through chop them down and he has gotten really good at that and that is something that that takes a lot of feel and a lot of practice just from the simple virtue that you have to drop your pad so you're still kind of not sure what you're going to hit um so he he's a well-trained player he's a well-coached player by all accounts he's a well in buffalo's locker room um and he's someone who he's a scrapper he's a fighter and he's a great player well, I won't ask you about his chances to make the 53-man roster because you kind of covered that when talking about David Williams and the whole roster math and all that stuff. But did you? what do you think of Denver giving him a shot as returner? Obviously, he's getting, his main competition is Isaiah McKenzie if he doesn't fumble it away. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting to if you go back and you watch some of the screens that they've thrown that call out a three to, to just the way once he reorients himself, because that's really, you know, it's really putting him on the field with an athletic, you know, an opportunity to go and make an athletic play that running the ball isn't necessarily going to do for him. Um, it's it's a different style, and I think it's one that suits him. He just seems confield with the ball in his hands, just go out there and make something happen, kid. I, I think that suits him very well. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 again, I, I really liked Philip Lindsay when I watched over him and I'm definitely, I'm really happy to get your thoughts on it. And I know you, I trust you. And a lot of our listeners may not, but if there's an issue with Buffalo, with the Buffaloes, you're not going to sit there and sugarcoat it. You'll put it bluntly. So I can trust your thoughts on Lindsay to be unbiased. Now, before we get out of here, I do have a couple questions. I've already asked you one, and this next question that I'm going to ask you comes from David Cromlow on Twitter, and it is kind of similar to the David Williams question I asked earlier, and part of the reason why I passed up on asking you about Philip Lindsay chance and his chances to make the 53-man roster. But he asks, what are the chances that both Lindsay and Williams make the final roster? I mean, I, I might defer to you on this one just because you know the I do. Um, Williams, like I said, is kind of the downhill runner, uh, and Lindsay is the chance of, of of having something special. You know, Lindsay's going to worm his way through. Williams is going to bull his way through. And I think if Lindsay can incorporate additional roles, like you know, potentially being a returner, extremely boosts his chances of making the roster. Yeah, I agree. And as I mentioned earlier. 
in the end, as we're looking at now in May, I can see five running backs make it, and I think you're going to end up hurting yourself somewhere else. Denver has talked about using a tight end and as a fullback before, which is one reason why I think that Andy Janovich may be on his way out. Then you have Philip Lindsay competing for returner. I think that they're going to have their roles, and I think David Williams in the end might be a game day and active because Philip Lindsay he can contribute on offense as well as being a returner. And I think that with him taking that role, you're going to have four running backs active, but five on the 53-man roster. And I would put their odds – I'd put it pretty high that they both make it. But, again, it just comes down to roster math. And being here in May, it's so hard to get a real good idea of how the roster is looking. you got to wait until the OTAs the, – I mean, they're in their first mini camp and training camp, all that stuff. It'll help, it'll help get a clearer picture about how it's all looking. And the last question that I have for you is Eddie is from Eddie Crowder, and he asks, is there any chance that Eddie Roll, that Rolls-Royce Freeman finds that magic he showed two years ago when he looked like a possible Heisman Trophy candidate in the making? If you go back and watch, and he was awesome that year. Like, Royce Freeman was a great, and um, I think that there is every chance that he can regain that form. Um, I think one thing is just going to be, you know, firming up the reads he gets on the he once he gets to the line of uh, running the ball he knows what he's doing he knows where he's aiming he just needs something a little bit clearer having a line that can give and he doesn't have to kind of hesitate and chop his feet i think he's going to be a lot better of a player that way immediately um i think uh, he's he's a guy who i think he's he's had a lot of coaching he's had a lot of playing time and a lot of experience getting to adapt that coaching up that coaching rather the more this kid sees the field, I think with NFL coaching, he has a chance to improve even even further. And for me, I think that part of the thing is that he did suffer. A, I think it was a shoulder injury during that not long after those that time. And he also put on weight. I think one of the things that will help him is probably dropping about five to ten pounds a little bit. Because afterwards, after he added that weight on, he looked just a little bit more sluggish than he did before. And not quite as quick as he did. Yeah. But he, he definitely looked kind of like, I don't want to say slow, but visible. Yeah. And I think that losing, maybe possibly dropping that a little bit of weight and obviously getting back healthy because as it, as it was, I'm pretty sure it was a shoulder injury that seemed to really affect him a little bit. And I think that can help him. My hope is that he can end up turning back and being how he was two years ago, but never know if there's been more miles on that, those treads of his, So we'll definitely have to wait and see. Anyways, thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories. Thanks to my my guest, I guess I should say, not co-host, Luke Poglis, for joining me, man. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to. And uh, thanks for for having me. And, yeah, it's been great. I hope you all enjoyed getting a coach's perspective. And what is it? Go Cards, right? That's the college you coach for? Yeah, go Cards, baby. Go Cardinals. Anyways, thank you all for listening again. Please leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Mine's at Eric Trickle and Luke's. What's yours? Mine is at Luke Polglaze, at L-U-C-P-O-L-G-L-A-Z-E. Lots of Catholic football uh, posts. (laughs) And make sure, guys, give him a follow. And always bug him about the Broncos, even though he doesn't watch them quite as much as he used to. Just annoy him. And you can always tell him that it's because I told you to do so. In my defense, in my defense, I wish I could watch more NFL Sunday, Sunday days are some of the busiest days for college coaches because you're breaking down the game that has just happened and you're starting to learn. So Sunday day 
days are, are hard for, for NFL fans like me, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. Some a Thursday night football is still good. Right. Right. <laughs> Anybody? Nope. Okay. No. <laughs> Anyways, you can always reach me on Twitter. As I said, it's at Eric trickle and any kind of question. I'm always more than willing to respond. We love the interaction with you guys, the fans, the listeners, the readers of our content. And it's without your support that we wouldn't be here where we are. So we thank you so much for that. Also, please follow at Huddle for all of our written work from MileEyeHuddle.com and at HuddleUpPod for all the podcasts that are come out that are regularly, regularly focused on the Denver Broncos. Anyways, as I said before, I had a great time with you, Luke, and I hope to have you on again in the future, possibly to talk about more than just running backs. But for Luke, I'm your host, Eric Trickle. Thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories, and have a wonderful day. Mile High Huddle.